While it's true that many companies don't allow you to talk about Christ in the workplace, there's absolutely nothing stopping you from being like Christ in the workplace. This is Preach Where You Reach. Welcome to the Preach Where You Reach podcast. I'm Scott Warren, and today my guest is Roderick Jeter Jr. He is the president and executive consultant at Five Stones Agency, a boutique events, sports, and entertainment agency providing integrated marketing, corporate partnership, talent, and tour management solutions. And not only that, uh, I knew this incredible man of God when we worked together uh, at Feld Entertainment which was a number of years ago, um, dating us both. And uh, Feld Entertainment is the, Don't reveal our age. the producer of Disney on Ice, Ringling Brothers, Barnum & Bailey Circus, Monster Jam, and more. And man, I just was was so drawn to this guy uh, when we first met, and I am so grateful to have him on the show today. Roderick, welcome to the Preach Free Reach podcast. Bless you, Scott, man. I'm so grateful that, uh, number one, you would invite me uh, to be on this podcast with you. I'm, I'm humbled, uh, really feel unworthy in, in many aspects, uh, but, I'm, but I'm extremely excited and really grateful. So thank oh, you. You're very welcome. And I, I knew that when the podcast was launching, uh, you were someone who came to mind immediately as the someone I wanted to talk to, because I knew you as a person of faith, even though I wasn't at the time when we, when we first knew each other. But I, I, there was something about you that I just felt like you you have some you have some gold or some some seeds or some watering of seeds that to to do through this podcast. So grateful to have you. The Preach Where You Reach podcast is is really focused on uh, how people from different backgrounds, different vocations, incorporate their Christian faith in their workplace. And um, but in order to do that, in order to preach where they reach they first need to come to Christ. And so I always like to start with the testimony. And so I'm curious, what was that journey like for you? Did you start out in the church? What was your, what's your testimony and how you came to Christ? So that's an, that's an, a, number one, a great question. Interesting story, but probably not as, you know, exciting and, um, and, and drawing for people as some testimonies are. My, my experience really started when I was six years old. I was brought to church by my mom uh, and my sister. And from six until eight years old, we, we lived in Manassas, Virginia. We ended up going to um, Mount Olive Baptist Church, which at the time was pastored by uh, John Blackman Sr., and I got baptized, oh man, either at six or seven years of age, but really it was primarily because of my mom. She dedicated her life to Christ, had um, accepted the church membership, got baptized, and, and I wanted to follow and, and do what she did. From eight until 12, we moved overseas and we lived in, in Costa Rica for about four years. And, and there we weren't going to church. So hmm. our, our faith wasn't really uh, being watered and, and nurtured in any capacity. And then we came back after four years, we came back to the United States again, back to Manassas, Virginia, North Virginia area. And we started to go to church again, I linked back up with uh, Pastor Blackman and uh, extended family and church family. And from that point forward, it really started a, uh, a ritual, uh, a behavior of attending service twice a week, uh, Bible studies during the week and um, Sunday morning services, obviously on Sundays. But although I was active, Christ was not in me. Mm. And I was very... I was very aware and I acknowledged Christ. I could maybe quote a couple of scriptures, you know, as right. a as a teenager. Uh, I sung in a choir. I was very respectful uh, as a young man, but man, I, I was I was living a uh, a, a double agent life, <laughs> if yeah. you will. Yeah. And um, it wasn't until 
my, the end of my freshman year, going into my sophomore year in college, that I had an encounter with um, the spirit of the living God. And the Holy Spirit came in to me and upon me and transformed my life from that point forward. And that's when I really became a Jesus follower. Uh, like I said, I had been in the church, you know, since I was six and then consecutively uh, since I was nine. But it really wasn't until I was, I think I was 21, that everything changed for me and my life no longer became my own. And it was, uh, it was now the Lord's living it through me. And, and there, were, there were two things, Scott, that really influenced that. The, the first was what I call like seismic activity, mm. um, it, okay. meaning my terrain was, sh- was shaken mm. uh, through, through sinful choices, um, through, through some, some opposition uh, of just, you know, uh, Satan, the enemy yeah. at work trying to sift me as wheat. Mm-hmm. And, and then the influence of some peers who were doing it right. And were authentic and were living out their faith in a way that was was contagious and they became a catalyst for for the change that ultimately would would develop in me and, and one of those people was my my then girlfriend now wife um, a, a very close friend of mine Harold Hill and uh, a couple of uh, other people that uh, that just the, the way they loved Jesus and the way that they lived mm. impacted me in such a way that it, it got me to the point where I was, I was ready. Uh, yeah. I, was, I, I was in need, but I was also ready now. Yes. And, um, and that, began a, that began a new journey uh, and, a, and a journey that uh, I will certainly carry out until I, I transition from this earth. Amen. That, that's incredible. And, and th- those people that were instrumental in having it become your own, were they in the church or was this outside of the church? That's a great question. So, so they were in the church. However, the influence that they brought happened to be. So in college, my, my wife, Stacy, was a part of a, uh, a ministry called Acts of God at uh, Virginia State University. And it was her and a, a few of the other leaders in that ministry that really played a big part. Harold, him and I went to the University of Richmond together. We didn't know each other. He played football. I was just uh, an academic scholarship student there. But we had, we had passed each other. We had been introduced. We had passed each other you know, on campus. And there was just something absolutely uh, electric and um, bright about him, uh, not just his personality, but obviously the, the anointing that, that was, was upon his life. And he, uh, conversations with him as we befriended one another, conversations with him led to, you know, hey, check out, check out this, this, this preacher. Uh, these are one of my favorites. And I would listen to, to them, and they just, uh, Bishop Noel Jones was one I remember from my collegiate days that just the way that he spoke, what he said, uh, things that, you know, really unearthed some things in me that helped just inspire me. Between the, the peer-to-peer contact and the influences that they had in my life and the terrain shaking in my life, um, the, mm. the trouble, the tribulation, the tests, uh, the mistakes, the sin, uh, all of those things came to a confluence and, and really brought me uh, to a place of just yielding and um, being, being transformed by, you know, a, a true encounter uh, with the Holy Spirit. Was there a specific adversity that, that broke you that was like the final straw? Hmm. That's a good question. I, I, I can't say there was, there was, but if I had to identify it, I, I would say more than anything, it was a dissatisfaction with self. It, it, it was being, I'm naturally in a very introspective person and 
I think, you know, the Lord used that coupled with the fact that he's, you know, was at the door of my heart knocking that really, really prompted the that last straw uh, to break and not wanting to, you know, be a certain way or continue down a certain path that um, that I had, you know, been operating from. Mm. And so it was it was the desire for true change as well. It's interesting because the people that listen to this will know the story. But uh, for me, and I won't get into all the details of it, but it's for me, there wasn't a final straw that sort of that, that broke me that finally I was surrendering my life to Christ. It was actually an altar call to Christmas service sure. where my six year old son put his hand way up in the air. And um, wow, that's what did it for wow. our family. Um, and yeah, and so but it was, so everyone's that's the and thing. A child should you know, lead them, right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, there's there are many, many stories of just being broken and you know, at rock bottom. And that's when I just, you know, surrendered. Um, For me, it was, I had an arrogance about me that I really wasn't interested in the church. I didn't really care about that. I was just, you know, it was a Christmas production. So I'm like, okay, whatever. And then, and it was my son who clearly needed that. And, and, and we gave our entire lives to Christ as a result of that. So it, it, it is an amazing thing but it's not everyone has that sort of you know this epiphany moment of, or, or a a um, a Saul totally. and Paul transition necessarily but um but, but it sounds like you know you had you had some pretty strong mentors in your uh that that were surrounding you and and guiding you in the right way and you took that foundation and you know, it and it became your own so were, was there times of of just reading scripture and sort of diving in. Was there a, a men's group that helped? Were, were, were you being discipled in any way at church? Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. At that, at, I mean, at that point, the hunger and the thirst for righteousness and truth, I mean, and, and, and getting, getting to know the character of God and learning more about Jesus and reading my Bible, all of that was now like ignited and ignited in a, in a new and a, a very passionate way. And it was things that I was doing on my own. It was small group, um, men's group, Bible studies. Couldn't get enough of those really. <laughs> uh, it was, you know, still consistently going to, to, to church, but any opportunity that I had, to now like get poured into and or explore uh, reading books, the case for Christ, the case for faith um, and others, you know, just I was at this 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 place where like I was this this vat that just was wanting to be filled to the brim uh, as much as possible. Um, and, and of course, you know, collegiately, you 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 know, the collegiate experience, you're, you're amongst other intellectuals of other faiths and, you know, you get challenged and you want to be prepared. And so those type of things motivated me as well, uh, particularly as I was, was living out my faith now. And so it was a, it was a combination of, of all of those things and new friendships that, um, helped keep me accountable and, and vice versa. And, 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 charged me with continuing to learn and to, to seek God's face. So yeah, no, it was all of those things together that really, um, really stirred my faith, uh, even more in the journey. When, when my wife and I first came to Christ and, and it was one of those things where I, for whatever reason, I just said to my wife, if we're going to do this, we've got to be all in. Like, I mean, I just, I don't, I don't know how to do it otherwise, to be honest, because I don't know. Right. You know, I've got too much, you know, too many questions, too many, like I'm logic is like, I'm uh, some of this stuff doesn't make any sense. Of course I was, I knew enough of the Bible as I say, and I've said it on the podcast to be like arrogantly ignorant or arrogantly stupid. Like I knew that, you know, I could, I could uh, <laughs> talk about uh, Leviticus 
um, and, and point there and say, ha, you know, you, you guys don't know what you're talking about because you don't right. do these things. It's sort of Christianity, this a la carte Christianity, not realizing it's old covenant, new covenant and all these things. Right? I mean, I had to I had to I, I think that's what's really interesting and what's totally. really been on my heart lately is that I feel like I, I was blessed to have two pastors at the time who were very open and, 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 and desired those sorts of questions and those sort of, you know, like, well, what about this? And what about like, they, yes. they, they thrived on it. They, they, they liked the lost. They loved the found, but they really were passionate about the lost and, and being able to kind of help them understand what was happening and why, and all those things. And, and, you know, I remember just saying to my, my pastor at the time, I'm like, you know what? Um, I believe in heaven, but not hell. And he's like, okay, well, where's that come yeah. from? And I'm like, well, yeah, I don't know. It's sort of a la carte Christianity. I know a lot of Christians that seem this to thought, pick and choose thought. what they want to believe. So I pick heaven and not hell. That's just my choice, right? And um, and I said, plus, I don't understand right. like why a loving God would ever send you to burn in hell for eternity. So it just doesn't make any sense to me. So I don't believe that. And he's like, well, and they were so kind and gracious and just saying, well, God doesn't send anyone yeah. to hell. <laughs> just just to be clear, like that's a, that's a personal choice. Like, you know, you're, you're given the option and, but it was those kind of conversations <laughs> along with my need to shut up and just listen because I, I was right. always, you know, wanting to say, yeah, but then, Hey, but how about this? And how about, and they're just like, shh, like just, yes. um, just listen. And, and, and that was transformational really for me. So so that was kind of the key for, for my success. But I, I kept thinking the past couple of days, it's really been on my heart where I, I, I hear people on TikTok and other things sort of, mm. you know, talking about why God doesn't exist and they're, you know, atheists and this and that. And I, and I just want to ask them, mm. have you ever felt overwhelming presence of right. God? Like, have you just wept in his presence? And the answer is likely no. And that's fair. But it seems like right. it seems like that's the issue. Because you haven't had that experience, it's you don't believe. But once you have that experience, oh man, it's life changing. And and all of a sudden, because I remember the story, there was a, a time where I was at a at a pastor's conference. Now I wasn't a pastor. I was relatively new, but it was a, a pastor's conference in Vegas. And Tim's story, Pastor Tim's story was was there, and he would he, he it was amazing. And he was saying, person in the hat come up here. And he's like, you got to run though. You got to run. And they're running up there. And all of a sudden he's like swipes left and they go flying. And I'm like, okay, yep. that can't be real. <laughs> like somebody else runs up and he's, and they're flying left. Right. And I'm just like, Oh, this, this is wild. But it yes. wasn't until I had a pastor lay hands on me and, and, and speak over my life right. and my legs buckled and I dropped that I realized, Oh, mm. this is real. This is real. Have you had a moment oh, yeah. in your life where yeah. no, no, no you just doubt knew about this it. faith, this uh, thing, this Jesus is real? A couple, um, maybe even more than, more than a couple. And uh, most of the, the two that really come to mind, well, no, one of them was, yeah. was in college. And the other one was when my wife and I were married. And one was more of a... It was an experience with um, demonic activity that required my wife uh, to lay hands on me at the at the time to relieve uh, uh, a demon that had been sitting on my chest during sleep that woke me out of my sleep and uh, I couldn't breathe, couldn't move, and she had been in her bed um i i literally could not function or move and it i felt so much pressure on my chest and for those that are thinking you know oh you had an anxiety attack or something to that degree no no i, w I wasn't any uh, under any kind of anxiety um i was a completely healthy 22 23 year old that um in the environment that I was in, in the deliverance that I was seeking and needing in my life, uh, the enemy was not willing to let me go and at least let me go that easy. And uh, that was an experience that was profound and uh, also helped solidify like 
that this young lady who I, I loved was you know, meant to be my wife all, all the more. Um, no, that that is one of them. But you know, another one was was uh, one of the one of the young men that I had mentioned. I think earlier, a gentleman by the name of Corbin. Uh, he he had been an inspiration uh, in my life to to you know, further my walk and and my hunger and thirst for for God's truth. And um, we lost touch for a few years. Both graduated from college, went on to start you know our lives with our significant others or not, and different states. But word had come back to me. My wife and I had just left uh, a church service, and word had come back to me that he had essentially like renounced the faith or, or turned away from the faith and uh, kind of taken on Rastafarianism and uh, just was not mm. the young man that, um, that I knew. And and I just remember this overwhelming burden, this, this deep, like almost a deep mourning for him. And we were driving and I, um, I, my wife will tell you, she was in the passenger seat. I'm driving and just, just thinking about him and the grieving that the Holy Spirit, I believe, was doing in me just overflowed out of my mouth. And I began to pray in uh, unknown tongues that I couldn't tell you what I said, um, but, but it was the, the Spirit giving utterance on his behalf, I believe. And that was the most, I know there's like very hotly debated you know, amongst the Christian community about speaking in tongues and, and certain, you know, gifts of the Holy Spirit. Listen, I, I was I was one of those people who kind of sat on the fence of, mm, yeah, yeah, I know that that stuff happens and is real, but I'm also, I've seen it abused and I, I've seen people like fake it and I, I don't know where the balance is. And so I was more right. kind of skeptical than, than anything. And uh, legitimately, uh, for that to happen to me in a, a capacity, we weren't in church, there, there wasn't an audience, but it happened. And it was one of the most incredible experiences that, that, I, uh, that I've had. So that was another. I remember I was in a Bible college class and we were going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I, I remember... Yeah just praying to be able to speak in tongues because <laughs> right. I, I, I had heard it, but I was just like, I was a little same thing, a little skeptical. I don't know what this is about. Right. And, and I remember all of a sudden it just started flowing out and I was like, <laughs> it was so strange to me. And I remember like, right. almost, like even shaking my head, like shake it off kind of thing and just be like, okay, speak English, speak. Okay. And I'd go back to normal. And then, and I'd start speaking English and I was like, I would go right back into this tongue thing. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what this is, but it just, it just keeps flowing. And so, and there have been times where I have been um, around uh, someone. We just did a, an event with our church community uh, yesterday where part of a serve day and, and we went to uh, this, yeah. this Christian center where the homeless come and, and, and get food and we, we gave them clothes. But that's awesome. part of my role, my wife, we, we uh, helped with showers and kind of taking care of the showers for them. Now they... They, they had this this trailer with four shower stalls in it and they sure. each get 11 minutes and you kind of like and afterwards after they're done you've got to you've got to spray down the stall with the chemical and then you got to kind of wipe it down make sure it's you know it's ready for the next person and 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 there were some folks there that I just started speaking yes. tongues over because I mean, I didn't I, mean, I don't know what else to, to to say or how what to pray for them it was it was just this overwhelming feeling where you just it just poured out and um, right. And I, it's such a blessing because I have well, no idea in some cases yeah. what I'm supposed to pray for, but I don't need to know. Totally. It's just the Holy no, Spirit totally. leads the way. <laughs> so after college, now, did you have oh, a plan? Great question. College? Like, what, what so were you studying time, in school? So what, I, what did you I want to do? I grew up thinking I was going to be an art, architect until I got into high school. And I, I can't remember the class that I took. It was a, a drawing some sort of like math slash drawing class and I didn't last um, 
a week. It just it was <laughs> it was it was overwhelming, and it was not uh, it was not meant for me. So my architecture days came to uh, came to an end in high school. Then I got into college, and you know my parents used to we used to live overseas. You know most of my my life up until I was twelve, from birth to twelve, and. So we used to travel a lot, used to fly a lot. I loved airplanes. I loved flying. And so I kind of thought also as a kid going into high school, into college, that I might get into um, aviation, not as a pilot, but one day I was going to I was going to own an airline or a, be a be a manager, senior manager in um, at, a, at a famous airline. And so I kind of went into college thinking management, eh, business, definitely international business, international management. And that's what I did. I, I, I got an international business degree, um, basically with like a, a Spanish minor, and um, finished at, at George Mason University um, with, a, with an international business degree. But I did not know what I wanted to do. And I came out of school after my senior year, right around the time that I was getting ready to graduate, opportunities were kind of beginning to surface. You know, there was this opportunity with, uh, I think, working for Sherman, Sherwin-Williams Paints and another one with Ryan Holmes. And these, these kind of opportunities had come about from the, the um, recruiting visits and job fairs that had happened on campus and being able to connect with the recruiters that were there. And so these were more of the low-hanging fruit that had come about. But I really did not know what I was going to do. And I was kind of nonchalant about it. I was like, yeah, you know, if something's going to come about, I'm not worried. Uh, We'll figure it out. But May, June, June into July kind of passed. And I I really still didn't have uh, a job until... Uh, a friend uh, offered to take my resume and shop it around internally at Feld Entertainment. And Feld, at that time, as you know, was headquartered in Tyson's Corner, Virginia. So it was like right in my backyard, but I had no idea who who Feld Entertainment was. And went in for a a couple of interviews with, um, uh, literally started with, with Rob McHugh. And I had the international business degree and some international experience as a kid. And so it was fitting for me to, to uh, interview with Rob and hit it off, uh, instantly hit it off with, uh, with Rob. It's a relationship that's still d- dear and precious to me to this day. Um, but yeah, that's how I, that's, I left college and ended up joining Feld Entertainment where I would go to work for 14 years. 14 years, yeah, that's amazing. And it's such a unique experience too right i mean you're, you deal with disney on ice and and at the time the circus uh and it's just like you know that's right. not something you go to school for necessarily <laughs> it's something that you learn as you go yeah uh and it's and it's fascinating you know i was on a totally. different side you were on the marketing side of things right and and um i was on the the, the booking side or the uh, I guess the, the contracts and Ooh, and uh, from the the different venues, and I had over maybe a hundred cities that I looked after and and uh, would do the contracts for for the different okay. shows, and so Jeff Meyer had had uh, appointed me under Brad Bryant. Brad Bryant was the the vice president of the Southeast region at the time, and told me and a. Uh, another very close friend of mine who both of both of us were from the Northern Virginia area, Brian Wilson, uh, that we were moving to Atlanta to start our careers. Uh, Brian and I had the opportunity to connect on the phone before, you know, several weeks before we were packing up to move down to Atlanta. We ended up living together for the first 60, 60, was it 90 days? 60 days or so in corporate housing, decided that we were we were uh, cut from the same cloth, <laughs> and uh, decided to end up you know sharing an apartment together, and that started uh, a brotherhood between the two of us that that endures to this day. Um, but yeah, no, we worked for a specific region, and then we were assigned 
um, specific cities within the Southeast region that, that we would ultimately be responsible for, you know, helping grow the profitability of the organization within through our, our marketing and advertising means. It's a fun job, though. I mean, you know, there's some work. I mean, you guys are working, but it's fun. You got to see, uh, I think that's part of the fun is you get to see the joy at the shows of these families that are coming totally. to see Disney on Ice, and they're just so excited to be there. And it's such a rewarding experience to 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 uh, be part of that. When you were going to that that job, or even the move to Atlanta, was did faith play a part in that? It was really at the time the only opportunity. It was a yeah pretty phenomenal opportunity. So it it didn't take much of you know, uh, <laughs> fasting and praying to to know that this was the the right answer. But at the same time, no, it it definitely did. It it had to be one that you know crossed crossed God's threshold as far as is yeah. is, is are you blessing this? Are you in this? And especially because what it entailed is me leaving my my girlfriend, um, now wife, at the time and now entering into this long distance relationship, her staying behind. And uh, that was a big sacrifice, you know, because we had talked about marriage already at that point and really believed that that God had put um, one another in each other's life for for that purpose. And so now I'm like, first, I was saying I'm I'm leaving for Amsterdam because uh, I had originally been given the job prematurely uh, by Rob to, to go to Rob McHugh to go to Amsterdam and work um, on the in the Europe on the European team as a promoter but then that that changed and I was assigned okay. you know domestic experience first and so yeah I mean leaving leaving her and everything that we you know thought was stable and and comfortable uh, for this opportunity <clears throat> took um, took some faith and and it took uh, uh, right. you know being on my knees and, and really bringing it before the Lord and ultimately we um, we made the leap I made the leap we but Brian and I and um, you know the rest is the rest is history <laughs> and you were there fourteen years and which is an amazing run I mean that's just there aren't a ton of people that stay somewhere that long anymore yeah. so that's that's um, that's a testimony in and of itself. But when you left Feld, started my own little marketing and advertising uh, consulting agency. Took me a good six, excuse me, six months to find a client, and I I did that for about a year, a little over a year. Uh, but then transitioned to working for professional bull riders for um, about a year, a little over a year as well. Before that position itself was was um, eliminated and okay. then I kind of went back into five stones agency mode which is my my agency and you know anytime there's been transition I usually <laughs> jump back into doing my own thing seeing seeing what clients I can find and pick up um, doing work before uh, before or you know while searching for uh, another full-time opportunity and no it was it was during that transitional period after PBR that I picked up several clients and was able to keep that steady for a bit. Um, I then ended up working for a transactional technology company called Protect um, that really was a great organization, great people. But I was there for about a year and a half. And then COVID shut everything down. And um, it was at that time that I had another friend. Like every job that I have landed mm. has been the result yes. of a, a dear friend, you know, networking and helping bridge the gap for me. So this uh, dear friend kept harping like, hey, you, you need to come work for uh, Defense Digital Service, the DOD. I'm like, cybersecurity, tech, that, you know, I'm not technical. I don't have that background I, I wouldn't fit in and she was like no 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 you're you're rod i know enough about you your your experience <laughs> in, in live event management right. marketing would really bode well here as a product manager and so right at the time that 
COVID was was rearing its ugly head, I had acquiesced to her um, requests slash demands and uh, and submitted my resume. And long story short, ended up like took like six months, six interviews, six months later, but ended up getting an opportunity to go work for the DoD uh, for two years. And that was what I most recently did before um, now being back into uh, Five Stones Agency and and serving a, a couple of clients. Throughout your time in any of those capacities, whether it's Feld or PBR, uh, DOD, were there times when there was a coworker or client or someone that that you that that was hurting? Yeah, and and you needed to speak a word into their life. I can imagine over the course of your your years, there's probably been oh, multiple man. occasions. Been is there so any that many. sort of stick out to you? <laughs> Quite honestly, that um, wow. I, well, I, I I go back to my collegiate days, and that's more so like the evangelism that I really tried to start doing while on the job but mm. no there there have been gosh a, a number of those situations and i love those right because it's it's a, it's an organic opportunity to yeah. share the love of christ and the hope the hope that i have that i want to share with them for their situation that lends itself to being able to share the gospel, to to preach where we reach, and and in in a great capacity, um, not force anything on anyone, not even necessarily yeah. attempt to proselytize and convert, but even more so, just sharing the love of Jesus with them, and right. um, and and however from that point forward, they're they're this truth impacts their life um, like that's their journey but they they know if they didn't know before they now know at that point that if there's no one else in their life that mm-hmm. they can go to for an encouraging word or to get prayer or to just you know hey Roderick I, I you know I, I know you kind of re- religious um, I'd love to chat with you about, you know, my thoughts or, or just religion and, and being able to be that person for uh, colleagues is is one that I, I, I cherish, you know, and, 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 and where where proudly. I, I think that's one of the things that's so great about being bold in your faith, that people know you as a person of faith. And so. Uh, there are oftentimes people who aren't believers <laughs> that are going through something or have a family member that's sick or something, and they reach <laughs> right. out to you because they know you've, you know, in their mind, you've got this direct connection, right, to, to the Lord. And so I don't yeah. have my own faith to, to, to guide me and to lean on, but can I lean on yours a little bit? Can you, can you help me? Yes. Can you lift my, my mother up in prayer who's going through a difficult time or whatever it is? And I love those moments to be able to be that person. And, right. and, and I'm proud that they are, that they know me as someone like that, that they can come to, that, that they can bring Absolutely. that to me and they know that I will be that conduit for them uh, you know, on their behalf. It's, it's absolutely an amazing experience. I remember there was a time where I remember in Canada, I think part of what we're talking about when we, when we talk about being able to be an encouragement or be Christ-like for someone and to kind of help guide them and, and, uh, whether it's biblical wisdom or whether it's, uh, you know, scripture that can lift them up, but you know, in their, in their dark <laughs> situation or their dark season that they're in, um, is what the key thing is obedience to the Holy Spirit's prompting, and and so when the Holy Spirit right. puts that on your heart, then then you then Want have to. to be obedient to that thing. But you don't have to. But as you yeah. grow in your faith, as you mature in your faith, you 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 know you realize and you want to right. There was a time when I was in, in Hamilton, Ontario, when I lived in Canada, yeah. and, and I, I, we had Disney on Ice, oddly enough, uh, as, as we talk about failed entertainment. We had Disney on Ice in the building, and I was in my suit, and 
there was this this homeless person yeah. that I had seen on you know the, the street next to our building for a year. Uh, never talked to him, but he was always great, always kind, always. He never asked for money. He had he had like a hat out, and he would he would just tell people have a great night, enjoy the show. It was, it was, it was wonderful. But the Holy Spirit prompted me in, in in that moment when he was sitting there before one of our Disney on Ice shows for me to go over and sit down next to him. And in my head, yeah. I'm saying, well, hold on, I'm in my suit, and you want me to sit down on the ground with with this person? Like, okay. But again, out of obedience, I sit down next to him, and I, I introduce myself. And I talk about this in, in the book as well, but I, I introduce myself to him. Wow. And he, he said uh, – uh, he said, I, I, I'm sorry, I don't bother anyone. I promise. I, pr- I promise, I, you know, I, mm. I don't bother anybody. I said, no, 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 you, you're good. You're good, man. I'm actually a big fan of yours. And so so I, I sat down next to him when we were talking and I said, uh, I introduced myself. He, he said his name was Neil. And and I said, Neil, mm. you know, I, you don't have right. to tell me anything. But, but, but how did you get here in this condition? Like, what, like, what happened? Mm. And he said, well, I, you know, I grew up in a very religious home and my parents would beat me a lot. And I turned to drugs as an escape, got hooked and, and, and it just went from there. And, um, and he stopped, he said, but if it's okay, I don't really want to talk about that right now. I said, no, no problem at all. No problem at all. Thank you for sharing that with me. And ever since that moment, I saw him in a different yes. way, not just some homeless guy, right? There was, there was, there, there was, there was a story behind it. And, and, and just from the obedience to the prompting of the Holy Spirit to sit down and get to know him. And, and he would always give the kids high fives as they would get, would hand him a $5 bill or whatever it was. And, gotcha. um, because basically what had happened in Canada, he was taken care of by the government in terms of like housing. Like he was able to, he didn't have a great house, right? He, he had a place to stay, but he had to beg for everything else. And so, you know, food, whatever, it was all, uh, that's what he was on the street for. And he had to get money for that. So it was such a blessing, but it is really that Holy Spirit prompting, whether it's someone like him that isn't necessarily totally in my workplace, but, but I've encountered him as a result of my workplace. So it's the same thing, right? It's the sphere of influence that you have uh, around those people that, you know, that, that you encounter. I, I wanted to see from you, like where, times where maybe you've had to really rely mm. on your faith in in your work environment whether it's a move to another job or whether it's it's something where totally it, it was really oh, man. there's really weight on you that was like i mean you know felled um into my own business that was a huge leap of faith and one that required you know constant humility <laughs> a constant almost a a containing of myself, my inner self that felt prompted in many capacities to want to take control and move things quicker and make things happen, create opportunity. And, you know, I was not moving necessarily in my timeline I was moving in um, God's timeline and the, the market's timeline and yeah. needing to be patient needing to understand that you know as I was praying and as I was ex- exerting faith that God was aligning strategic opportunities and relationships for me that would then materialize into being able to land my first client and then, you know, sustaining uh, my family off of that. I mean, you know, my wife was was at home for 18 years and I was sustaining our family off of a off of a salary working in the live events entertainment uh, industry, which, which, you know, does not pay um, you know, exorbitantly well in comparison to many others. And we, by no stretch of the imagination, had uh, a ton of money just sitting around or saved to be able to, oh, you know, 
start your business. Let's 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 ride this thing out. Let's see how it goes, and you know we can we can draw from this pool of money uh, to pay for mortgage and kids and and all of that good stuff. And so, you know, it took a it took a great leap of faith um, on a daily basis to trust number one that this was the right path and that God was gonna God was gonna provide. Um, and he did so many times over that, oh man, it's, it's all of the transition periods that I've had. Uh, and especially when it came to, you know, like a feast or famine, uh, type experience where it was all riding on, you know, my ability to be able to land business for my agency. And so no man, there was there was so so much praying, so much trusting and, and believing and speaking things that that be not as though they were, um, that they were going to come to pass, and and just entrusting all of it over uh, to God as well. Um, so yeah, no, that's 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 my life. <laughs> and, and there's there's no mistake that uh, you know it's it's called Five Stones Agency. Yes. Uh, presumably after David's five smooth stones. You know, I, it's funny because I also, when I was in Canada, I had a, I had a consultant company in Canada as well called uh, Sling and Stone. Ah. Sling and Stone was the same, same thing. It's, <laughs> it's true. I promise. Yes. Yes. And uh, so it's funny that that's sort of like uh, the, the name 100%, of the company. Well, so it's, it, there's, there's this connection between us. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm trying to tell you. For, for someone who wants to bring their faith into their workplace and and they're not sure how to do that hmm. what would you what would what advice would you give them so it would be i think from my successes and from my shortcomings in this area one of the shortcomings that i that i personally feel that i had was i was so passionate and excited about my faith and about loving Jesus and, and being on this journey with him now that I, I allowed it and I positioned it in such a capacity where it took on more of a position of primary importance than it should. And, and to the, the Christian hearing that, you'll, you'll be like, are you kidding, Roderick? You're, that's blasphemy. But hear me out. So, listen, it's no secret. God told us uh, in the fall that we would work by the sweat of our brow. It is it is it is man's duty and woman's duty to 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 work. Right. We achieve uh, the the sustaining power of um, money to be able to care for our families and pay bills and all of that good thing. So work is a requirement. Where it gets dangerous, I think, for the Christian is when your your work in the instance of your assignment becomes the afterthought and your compulsion to evangelize on your job becomes primary and you lose sight of the balance that really has to occur. Mm. There has to be a balance in, I'm here today to work. And yes. my, my job, my role is this, right? When those things are flipped and all you're thinking about is, I gotta get to work, I gotta evangelize, and that becomes the the behavior what you risk is being right. booted out of a job and you risk turning people away because you've put them in positions of natural discomfort and not that we should be afraid of people being uncomfortable with our message the message of the gospel because that is ultimately what it did for us. It makes us uncomfortable. It makes people uncomfortable. But what I mean by it is 
the, 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 the precedent of how structured the level of importance should be with regard to what you are on the job to do first and foremost, and then secondly, being the carpenter who really is um, a Christian in disguise, or the um, singer who is not a singer, but we are Christ's messenger who happens to sing. Like, mm. all of that, yes, is who we are and what our makeup is, but we can do just as much damage and hinder our own walk and the walk of others if all we are thinking about and, and aiming to do on the job is evangelize, 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 but we don't do the work. And, and I learned that through my own experience, right? And, and, and I wasn't fired from a job, but I just, right. I just remember in my internship days at Booz Allen and Hamilton uh, in, in DC, like I was, I was so passionate uh, about Jesus and my faith. And I remember like one of the first things that I, I did on this internship was, you know, wanting to start a Bible study. And, uh, you know, like almost every chance I got, I was, I was trying to speak to or, or tell someone um, about Jesus. And I, I felt this, this compulsion within me. And it wasn't, it wasn't, there's a difference, right? Like it, it wasn't this compulsion of being led by the Holy Spirit to have to say something. It was this compulsion of almost feeling guilty if I didn't say something. And we have to be really careful, I think, about understanding the, the, the different voices and being led by the spirit versus being led by our own desire or uh, our own feelings of guilt and, and, and doing things out of that as opposed to doing things out of the, the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And so I found myself really just right. being like, oh, like zealous uh, I, I was a zealot in, in, in a lot of ways. And I'm, I'm, I know I made people, some people feel uncomfortable. And, and even though my, my supervisor's boss was a Christian and he ultimately would come to these little Bible studies that I started, again, mind you, I was an intern. And, um, but I remember, I remember him, and I remember kind of thinking like, Man, you're a Christian. You haven't started Bible studies here. Like, you know, I almost had this, 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 <laughs> um, this judging sort of spirit about me in my my zealousness and and, and almost arrogance now. Uh, and so, tying that all together, Scott, I would I would just say that mm -hmm. on the flip side too, I had these. You know, I had these feelings of inadequacy about not doing full-time ministry and viewed my work in the secular realm as, as underachieving and, and second-rate. And, and so I kind of went both ends of the spectrum at some point in my life and realized that if, if we are being true to ourselves and we're being true to the calling that's on our lives and the Holy Spirit living in us, the Holy Spirit will direct us, will direct us to, to find and plant ourselves yes. on our jobs with our colleagues in, in a way that is not overbearing, um, but is not hidden either. And whatever balance you find that to be and how God directs you, whether you you are called to, to start Bible studies, um, whether you find that your ministry is, is more so one-on-ones and inviting colleagues out to lunch and taking opportunities to first really build relationship with them and then using the lunch experience as an opportunity to really share the gospel with them, which was really more so my, um, my ministry style. Whatever that is, as long as we are true to the Spirit of God in us and we're true to how God wired us and designed us and that we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but we are, we are exercising our faith and sharing the truth of the gospel with those that we work with and those that we care about, then 
that to me really is the the one bit of advice you know and suggestion that I can give is find find the rhythm and find the balance mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit's prompting and directing and ensure that you're you're going to work to work but also ensuring that when opportunities present themselves we're not hiding and we're we're living in such a way where I think it was I love the the quote and I think it's a debated quote that Saint Saint Augustine said that preach the gospel and if by any means use words right it it, it it's this profound statement of if we live in such a way that you know God's yeah. glory is on display through our behavior and how we speak and how we treat people then that is a powerful gospel in and of itself but we we know that words are absolutely required we we've we've got to share the truth with people but what should compel them what should draw them in more than anything is first the light that we shine the way that we 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 walk and talk and and, right. and enter into dialogue with people and so primarily like that should be our our number one uh, motivation in our number one goal and n- number two it's taking those opportunities when they are presented to to not hide behind anything and to to be bold with your with your witness but understanding as well that you have a job to do and and you know god is not calling us to to abandon the the requirement and the command of working for the sake of the you know sharing the gospel but doing it in such a way we're responsible to both we do have a job to do but to your point it's the prompting of the holy spirit the, the prompting of the holy spirit and being obedient to that prompting you know, you may work as an accountant, not a pastor, but <laughs> yes, the, but the workplace yes. can still be your ministry. But but you're an accountant first. Come on, man. <laughs> so God wants you to do that role and do it with excellence and do it as if you're doing it for him. Just be obedient to what work you've been given to do because he put you there for a reason. There's someone that needs to encounter Christ through you or you need to encounter Christ through them or whatever it may be. Do your job, <laughs> first and foremost, and, and be obedient to what those promptings are. So good. The last question I have for you, because I, I have to know this, is w- what is your go-to worship song? Oh, my go-to <laughs> worship song? Dude, I have so many, <laughs> so many. But if there is one song that literally tears me up and positions me in a place of just like God's presence and, and what I want desperately. It is Fred Hammond's clean heart. Okay. Fred Hammond, give me a clean heart. Um, it's a, it's an unbelievable, beautiful song uh, that just captures the essence of really what I desire, you know, for, for my life to just present myself in such a way um, to God that, that my heart is pure and, and clean before him. And, and, I'm, and I'm, brother, I'm, you know, uh, still such a work in progress, Amen. by no means have attained <laughs> at all. Um, you know, my wife, my children will, will, will tell you that especially, but yeah, clean heart is um, is at the top of that list for sure. Roderick, man, thank you so much for for taking the time to be on the Preach Where You Reach podcast. I am, like I said, I knew that I had to have you on from the very beginning, and you are uh, just a spirit filled joy to talk to, and I am blessed. Thank you, brother. By this conversation, I, I hope that. Um, God continues to, to bless you and, and pour favor out on you and your family. And, and uh, I'll be cheering you on, man. I you can't wait well, to see man. what's going on next in your life. <laughs> well, first of all, I'm so, thank I'm you, so thank honored. You. And I'm so proud of you for your, your obedience. Number one, you're, you're coming into the faith. We're not resisting that. And, um, and writing, writing this incredible book. And you've got another one in your in your heart that's about to be, you know, released yeah. like yeah. that is yeah. an incredible 
um, feet. And it is, a, it is an inspiration and a motivation, not just for me, but for, I know, the world over um, and, and Christians out there who are, like, just thinking they, they, they can't do the same thing. And um, the fact that you're, you're laying out a blueprint for how it can happen uh, and, and you're, you're putting your gifts to use, brother, that's, that's a blessing. So thank you for doing that because you're blessing me.